We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. We all know Oregon's heading to the Big Ten. Well, recruits, they're taking notice too. Another big commitment is in for Dan Lanning and the Ducks. And we're back like we never left. Oregon fans, what's going on? Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of the Ducks Dish Podcast. I'm your host, Max Torres. Glad to have you guys along. We are in store for a big episode of the podcast today. As 2024 Gardena Sarah cornerback Dakota Fields has flipped his commitment from the USC Trojans to the Oregon Ducks. Man, what a big win it is for Dan Lanning here in the 2024 recruiting class. My gosh, I mean, this is one that I was waiting on for a little bit. You know, Dakota Fields committed to USC back in June over Oregon. This one really looked like it was going to be an Oregon versus USC battle, and that's kind of how it shaped up uh, throughout Dakota's recruitment. Uh, I've gotten a chance to cover his recruitment firsthand, seeing that I live in Southern California now. And uh, we're going to be breaking down all of the angles uh, of this commitment and, and what it means for Oregon, how it ultimately came to be, how it went down, and then what's next for Oregon here in the 2024 recruiting class. What's next at cornerback as well for Demetrius Martin. So if you guys are uh, on board for that, make sure you guys stick around for today's entire episode and then do me a favor and hit that like button and subscribe to my youtube channel if you guys are watching along here at oregon football max taurus so let's just talk about dakota fields and who he is dakota fields listed at six foot two 185 pounds playing at gardena sarah uh, definitely one of the more well-known schools here in the Southern California area. And he is rated a four-star prospect on the 247 Sports Composite, 0.9582. Good for the number 83 spot in the country in the 2024 class. Ranked the number nine cornerback and the number 10 recruit in all of the Golden State, which as we know, every year is absolutely loaded with plenty of talent. So Dakota Fields decides to flip his commitment from USC to Oregon, and man, this could not come at a better time for Oregon. 
So like I said earlier, he committed to USC in June, but I knew that Oregon was going to stay involved. Demetrius Martin, a Southern California native himself, he wasn't going to just take that and, and pack up his bags and say, well, I guess I guess we missed on him. That's that's that. That's just not how it works for Demetrius Martin, who won the 247 Sports Pac-12 Recruiter of the Year Award for his efforts in the 2023 recruiting class. But that's also just not how it works for Oregon. Um, it's not over until pen meets paper, and we even know it's not over then sometimes, seeing all the drama that happens in today's era of college football with the transfer portal, with NIL, the coaching carousel. There's just so many factors at play. But like I said, I was pretty confident that Oregon was going to stay involved, and things really started to heat up between Fields and the Ducks towards the end of last month when he popped up in Eugene for an unofficial visit with the Ducks for their annual Saturday Night Live recruiting camp. That was kind of a visit that flew a little bit under the radar in the days leading up to it. And then uh, once I got confirmation, I had to make sure to put that one out there because that was a major development for Oregon in this 2024 class. And the reason that was a major development is because Fields has been one of the top targets for Oregon really from the jump in this recruiting class. We saw Oregon and Demetrius Martin go to Unipro Serra and Gardena just a cycle ago when they signed his former teammate, Roderick Pleasant, an Under Armour All-American cornerback in the 2023 class. That decision also came down to Oregon and USC. I was at that commitment ceremony back in February when uh, Roderick Pleasant committed to Oregon over USC, and it was a wild, wild moment. Um, you, know, you could just tell that Pleasant was overcome with emotion. Just, you know, so you could definitely see the pressure of the recruiting process just kind of getting to him, which was, it, it kind of made me feel a little sad because, you know, these guys, they really work their tails off and, and they can't make everybody happy and um, with their decision. And I think there's certainly, obviously, a, a pressure to go to USC, just being from the Los Angeles area uh, and seeing that they're kind of trying to get back to relevancy. And they're certainly on their way towards that after Lincoln Riley's first season with the Trojans. But let's get back to Dakota. Fields takes that visit to Oregon uh, for Saturday Night Live. I really thought there was quite a bit of buzz that a flip could happen during that weekend. Um, you know, I was almost expecting it, but wasn't told that it was going to happen that weekend, just that they were that he was going to get a visit. And Oregon has been very high on Fields this whole process, and Fields has been very high on Oregon dating back to his sophomore year. I mean, this is a guy who took multiple visits out to Eugene during the course of his recruitment. Uh, he was obviously there for SNL, and then he also made it out during last season for the Washington game when Dalen Austin, a true freshman corner from the Southern California area, Long Beach Poly, he also made the visit for that game. So Oregon's long been prioritizing the Southern California area, as has just about every other college football program in the country. But they have made some very, very serious progress in that part of the country in particular. And a lot of these Commitments are coming at the skill positions, whether you talk in offense or defense. Um, like I said, Dalen Austin from Long Beach Poly, Solomon Davis from Charter Oak out there in Covina, and then Roderick Pleasant last year from, from Gardena. That was uh, a bulk of Demetrius Martin's haul in that 2020, 2023 class. 
excuse me. But like I said, this couldn't come at a better time for Oregon, seeing that Dakota Fields is now the second cornerback pledge in the 2024 class, joining Ify Obadegwu, a uh, All-American recruit from Baltimore, Maryland, St. Francis Academy, one of two pledges uh, from that school quarterback, Michael Van Buren is also in the fold for Oregon in 2024. So now Demetrius Martin has two long, you know, fast, talented corners in the fold in this 24 class. And, and I think that's really where he wants to be. Um, this is a good commitment for Oregon just because of some of the recent developments that you saw, right? You saw that the tide turned in the favor in favor of Arizona for Elijah rushing very, very late in that recruitment in the 11th hour. Um, and then you also saw Aaron Scott, who was a top Oregon cornerback target out of the state of Ohio, elected to stay home to play his college ball for the Buckeyes. Not a shock, but that was still a top guy that Oregon was very well involved with, very heavily involved with down to the very last minute. So, you know, maybe you have a little bit of a sour taste in your mouth if you're an Oregon fan with some some of the recent recruiting misses or, or losses, but you get fields in the fold here. And that is absolutely huge. It's a statement of a recruiting win for Dan Lanning and company as they really just try to prove every day, every cycle, every week that they are not to be messed with when it comes to the recruiting trail. And I think this is also obviously a very good development for Oregon because USC is heading to the Big Ten and then Oregon just announced that they're going to be making the move to the Big Ten along with Washington as well. So now you have four 2023 Pac-12 schools in Oregon, Washington, USC, and UCLA that are all going to be heading east to play in the Big Ten come 2024. I talked about this on my last podcast when I broke down the Big Ten move with Ryan Winter, a.k.a. Sports Chat 503. Uh, I, we talked about the move, and I said that I think it's only positive recruiting impact uh, for Oregon now that they're going to be going to the Big Ten and Fields becomes the first commit for the Ducks since they announced their move to the Big Ten. They're going to keep getting, I shouldn't say keep, they're going to get top tier exposure. We know that they weren't really getting that in the Pac-12 due to the um, just the difficulty uh, that comes with watching the games on a week-to-week basis. Uh, Oregon fans obviously know the struggles that come with the Pac-12 network. So that's big. Uh, you're playing in a premier conference alongside schools like Michigan, Ohio State, Penn State, Michigan State. Uh, and, and that's obviously going to come with um, more respect, I think, just playing that big time football. And I talked about how it's sad that the Pac-12 is, is unfortunately, it looks like on its way out. They're doing everything they can now to kind of hold on with, with expansion efforts. But I just don't see it being a, uh, you know, financially viable venture now that so many of these schools have opted to jump ship. So this is great for Oregon that they're able to get a massive commitment to start off their their era of Big Ten football. Uh, I wonder if we're going to start seeing Oregon, you know, following the footsteps of USC by putting that Big Ten patch on their jersey uh, during some of these recruiting photo shoots. But um this is, this is kind of funny because I'm still trying to look for the report or the article, so I'm going to paraphrase a little bit. Maybe somebody can link it in the comments if they find it, but this is just a funny development that I'm sure Oregon fans are just so happy about because when USC made that move to the Big Ten, I want to say I've read or heard some chatter about you know some of the fine print being like, hey, we're going to be the only – we're going to be like the West Coast school for the Big Ten. Obviously, UCLA went alongside them, but other than UCLA and USC – 
it kind of seemed like the Big Ten or USC, you know, they, they were making it look like USC was going to be the only school from, you know, the, they're going to own the West Coast with the two LA schools and, and Oregon isn't going to be included in that expansion in that, you know, bigger picture. And now Oregon pops up, not only after making that move to the Big Ten, but they're also doing it on the recruiting trail saying, hey, um, yeah, you remember us? We're we're still here. Um, so I just, you know, USC fans always pop up in my mentions and I'm not trying to, you know, show any kind of bias, but it's USC fans, it's Washington fans. Anytime something positive happens for Oregon, they're always so quick to hop in my mentions and and try to do something to to uh, you know, push push my buttons or, you know, put push uh, other, you know, people in the Oregon community to kind of take away from it, but Oregon's not going anywhere and I think that's uh that's kind of one of the messages that Dan Lanning and this this coaching staff are sending with this pickup of Dakota Fields. Let's talk a little bit about Dakota Fields as a player, and then we'll get into a little bit more about just, you know, the optics and, you know, other pieces that come with this commitment. So uh, if you're watching along on YouTube, I got my uh, screen share going and have some highlights from Fields' 2022 season on the screen here. Only about three minutes of tape to work with, and that's because Fields, excuse me, because Fields got banged up uh, and was only able to play six games uh, as a junior, but it looks like he is on track to be a full go for the 2023 season, uh, which the Cavaliers start on August 18th against Orange Lutheran. So let me get into kind of some of my thoughts about Dakota Fields. I mean, first and foremost, six foot two, 185 pounds. That fits Dan Lanning's defense to a T when it comes to the cornerback you're looking for. Um, you want to have those longer, lengthier corners that can run and, and, you know, really help you defend and lock down the pass. And I think that that's a box. Those are some boxes rather that Dakota Fields really checks. Um, he's not just tall, but he can run and, and he can move very well. Um, you saw it a little bit there with his uh, punt coverage on special teams, but I really like his lateral quickness. Uh, obviously, that's a huge thing that you want to have if you're going to take a commitment from a taller defensive back. You don't want to have a guy that's just long. You want to have a guy that's going to be able to move the way that you need him to to cover some of these elite wide receivers, elite route runners, and pass catchers that you're going to go up against. And then I think by getting a bigger DB, you're also obviously helping yourself when it comes to defending tight ends. So Fields is fast. He's got great agility. He's got fluid hips. I think that's really part of what makes him special. He's pretty physical at the line of scrimmage when it comes to jamming guys. Um, but I personally would like to see him be a little bit more aggressive in his game. Uh, he's a good tackler. Don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to say he's not a good tackler, but I just want to see some more aggressiveness from fields. Uh, I want to see him add a little bit more of, of that downhill aspect to his game. Um, and I feel like, you know, this is, this play might be a good example uh, of that maybe he's just being patient but you see pretty clearly where the run's going and it just kind of seems like he lets the running back come to him I want to see him take it to the running back in that instance take it to the ball carrier um, but but that said obviously there's way more positives than negatives to to field his game um, I think one thing that makes him special as a corner is that he doesn't surrender that inside leverage to wide receivers uh, which is easier said than done uh, once you lose the inside, it can be, uh, you know, it can be all she wrote uh, for some plays with just how explosive guys are in, in today's game. 
So important that you have a guy that's technically sound and, and, and knows how to play the game, has a good feel for the game. And I think that's definitely what Fields has uh, in his tool belt. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Uh, another thing that pops on tape a bit with, with Fields, even though it's just kind of a, a limited, uh, you know, sample size, right, is uh, his ball skills. You know, throughout this tape, you see some uh, some pass breakups. Uh, you don't want a guy who's just going to be sticking in coverage. You want a guy who's going to be able to turn around and make those plays on the ball. Um, I don't know if he got any interceptions as a junior, but I think what I'm saying is that I've seen him enough in person and I've seen the tape to, to know that he has those ball skills uh, which only add to his upside as a playmaker. Um, you know, there there was and there still are, I think, some talks about him maybe playing some wide receiver for Sarah as a senior. Uh, but that remains to be seen whether he will actually play wide receiver as well or if they just want to have him uh, lock down the pass and become a better uh, defensive back And when it comes to the 2023 season. I think that that's one of the parts of the high school game that I really enjoy guys playing both ways. It just, it just helps them learn how to either defend better or how to attack uh, better regardless of what position you're playing. Right. But this is, this is an awesome, awesome get for Dan Lanning and the ducks and um, got to give kudos to Demetrius Martin on this one, as he was really one of the, the main guys that was involved in this recruitment and he re- I wrote about it on Ducks Digest, but I think he kind of let his development, his track record for development, do some of the talking for him. You know, whether it's Christian Gonzalez uh, or a handful of other guys that he's coached uh, to the NFL level through his m- multiple stops through the Pac-12. You know, Arizona, UCLA, Colorado. Uh, now he's got Nico Reed uh, with him and Eugene, who hit the portal and came over from Colorado um, as well. So. He just has that long track record of development of being a guy who knows how to get guys to the next level and get the most out of their game. And I think that's part of what resonated with Fields. Another thing as far as the story of this recruitment and, and what led to Dakota Fields becoming the Duck is just the, the difference in approach by these two coaching staffs at Oregon and at USC. And I spoke to a source close to, to uh, Fields' recruitment and this was before he committed and they were basically kind of telling me, you know, it's one thing to get a commitment. That's great. That's awesome. You can, you can sell it. You can use it for, you know, momentum on the recruiting trail, what have you. Obviously this is a big deal because he's one of the top guys in the LA area. So USC wanted to milk that for all it's worth. One thing to get that commitment, totally different thing 
to hang on to that commitment, to keep it solidified, to keep it strong. And obviously that's not what USC did. Uh, what I was able to learn for the most part is that Dante Williams is the main guy that's involved in this from the USC side of things. And basically the biggest difference here is that it's a team approach at Oregon versus mostly, mostly Dante Williams leading the charge for the Trojans. And he is a phenomenal recruiter. I'm not trying to slight him by any means. He does a great job, uh, but it just seems like he needs a little bit more help from the rest of that coaching staff in terms of just attacking a recruitment and ultimately building those relationships. I think that you're at a point in college football today where there's so much going on that you don't want to just commit to a coach. You want to commit to a school. And that's so often become a cliche in today's recruiting era, right? You choose the school, not the coach. I can tell you there are guys in today's college football that are just committing to a coach. And you don't need me to tell you that. You know it's happening. But it's just I'm using that point to drive home my point that it's not just Demetrius Martin that's recruiting him and then he has a great relationship with at Oregon. It's Dan Lanning, the head coach, taking that personal interest and being personally involved in that recruitment. It's Tosh Lapoy who is just doing so much to build that relationship and and really help sell why Oregon is going to be the place for him, why Dakota is going to fit in that defense so well for Oregon because they have guys that they've coached that fit Dakota's mold and kind of operate the way he does and have had success, right? Tosh Lapoy has worked with some really good corners. You have Patrick Sertain. Uh, from Alabama, who is now uh, playing for the Broncos uh, in the NFL. So having the coaches with this elite pedigree like Oregon does is paying dividends, as you would expect it to. And another guy that definitely needs a shout-out in this recruitment is Rashad Wadud, uh, a defensive analyst for Oregon. He has been instrumental in a number of recruitments since joining Dan Lanning's coaching staff, really uh, in time to help with this 2023 recruiting cycle. He is a Southern California native, uh, played at Arizona State, I want to say, um, and also played at Eastern Washington. I actually need to look this up um, because I want to make sure I get it right. <clears throat> so bear with me here. Okay, yeah, he was on the, the ASU roster um, in, in 2013. So I'm not, uh, I'm not missing out on, uh, I'm not being inaccurate with my reporting, but you know, there and there's the connection too, right? Uh, Dan Lanning was was uh, on the Arizona State staff as a GA uh, as one of his many stops before he got to Oregon, and and that's I think where you make the connection with with Wadud. But he is incredibly well connected in the LA Southern California area, and I think he is just going to be a huge piece of Oregon's recruiting success here uh, for for years to come. You know, that's a piece of your staff. That's a guy on your staff that you cannot cannot, cannot, cannot let go anywhere else. Um, he has been an absolute hit with recruits. Uh, I talked to Kamar Matuti the other day, and uh, he's at Los Alamitos in Southern California. He's a linebacker committed to Oregon, and, and he talked about Wadud and, and how big his his uh, his relationship with him was in his recruitment. Obviously, I'm talking to a lot of Southern California guys because that's where I live, but just time after time after time, it's Wadud, Wadud, Wadud. So, um 
if I've told you once, I've told you a million times because I definitely have written about him before. But Rashad Wadud is a huge gem on this Oregon staff and definitely needs to get his flowers and be someone that you know is talked about more regularly. So that was a huge part um, as far as the relationships go. And, uh, you know, Oregon just really went above and beyond in this recruitment to, to really make sure that Dakota Fields felt like a priority. Um, you know, when, when, they, when the family visited uh, for, for Saturday Night Live, you know, making sure I wrote about it, but just bringing it back up, making sure that he felt like a priority from the moment he landed in Eugene all throughout the camp, you know, taking some, some extra time maybe to, to, to try to fine tune his game and, you know, give him that one-on-one -on -one coaching. Um, Dakota Fields wanted to be at Oregon. Dakota Fields wants to be at Oregon. You know, that's, that's, that's my two cents. So it's just interesting because when he committed to USC, I was definitely a little bit surprised, but in the back of my head, I was just thinking, man, Oregon's going to stay involved and it's just it's just hard not to see that guy ending up at Oregon and all that said there is still a long way to go here uh if he's going to be an early enrollee that's around four more months that Oregon has to hang on but what Oregon does well with their commits they recruit them like they're still uncommitted and I think that is something that we've seen pay off time and time again um as we know that Oregon commits get recruited by other schools Happened last year with Blake Purchase. Why did his letter of intent take a little bit longer to come in? It's because Deion Sanders in Colorado were doing everything they could to keep him in state uh, and have him suiting up for the buffs. So we know that Oregon treats their commits in that way. And then I was also going to add, it's interesting that I say, you know, I'm, I'm, I was surprised that he committed to USC because I was a little bit surprised that he committed to USC because I just, I, I, after talking to him so much, that was just my feel that he wanted to be at Oregon. But when the predictions were coming in for USC, um, and, or for, for Oregon, excuse me, from some of these other, from some other recruiting analysts, I, I just knew that that USC was still in the picture. And um, it seemed like they had enough momentum to, to maybe pull it off. But that said, you know, some of these recruitments can be a real toss up. So that's why I kind of stayed out of that one when it comes to, to predictions. But Dakota Fields is going to be a duck. Absolutely massive, massive win on the recruiting trail, uh, given the the location, given the timing, given the, the impact moving forward. I mean, you name it, it's huge. I think this is also another opportunity to kind of just, and I'm not trying to slam USC by any means, um, but there's so much carryover between these two schools. It's definitely developed into a recruiting rivalry as well, not just an on-field rivalry. When you're looking at Southern California, one of the most fertile recruiting grounds in the entire country, without a doubt, the most fertile recruiting ground on the West Coast, you're seeing more guys start to stay home and play for USC. But a lot of those guys, a lot of those commitments are coming on offense. And I think part of that is because USC, if we're looking at this right now for defensive backs, um, you know, Talano Hufango was a, was a, a, I mean, he's on my he's on my Niners, and that dude's a baller. So he went to USC. That's definitely a guy that Oregon would have loved to have. But if you're looking at the NFL production and development at corner or in the secondary, I think that's where you have Oregon. Uh, Oregon has the edge right now. You got Diamador Lenore. You got Thomas Graham. Uh, you have um, 
Uh, Ugo Amadi is, is another guy that's there. And then Christian Gonzalez, a first-round pick to the Patriots this past year. I don't think you're seeing USC doing that the same things in the secondary, and, and you're not seeing those top Southern California defensive recruits choose to stay home and play for the Trojans. Jordan Lockhart from St. John Bosco, he's going to Texas A&M. Kingston Viliamu Asa, uh, one of the top linebackers in the nation, also from St. John Bosco. He's going to South Bend to play for Marcus Freeman and the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. Uh, Dylan Williams from Long Beach Poly, he's going to Oregon. So USC has undeniable recruiting momentum. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying they don't. I just think it's more so on the offensive side of the ball. Um, and certainly that's resonating a little bit more with the offensive recruits in Southern California. You got Ryan Pelham from Long Beach Millican. Uh, he's going to be staying home to, to play his college ball for the Trojans. And then you also have Oregon getting one um, from Southern California, a top skill guy in Jordan Anderson. He's going to be going to Oregon. So it's just a bunch of back and forth, back and forth. Um, but it also is an opportunity to illustrate why, how and why NFL development impacts recruiting. That's not the only thing that was at play here, but it's certainly something that I think Oregon can sell more uh, and sell better than USC can right now. If you're looking at Demetrius Martin, if you're looking at the way this staff is constructed at Oregon, Demetrius Martin, Dan Lanning, Tosh Lapoy, Rashad Wadud. I mean, the list goes on. So just interesting to kind of peel back the layers there and, um, you know, see what else is at play here. I always love to, you know, take a deep dive and I'm already almost at 30 minutes and I'm, and I'm having an awesome time. So, um, just to kind of wrap up a couple more final elements uh, on this episode of the pod, what's next for Oregon uh, on the recruiting trail? Uh, well, you have a couple of guys that kind of come to mind. I think the first one is St. Louis Christian Brothers wide receiver Jeremiah McClellan. He's supposed to be announcing his college commitment on August 13th. Um, and that one's been a little bit hard to get a read on, right? You have Oregon, Ohio State, LSU, Mizzou. Lots of schools involved. I think he listed Georgia as a finalist, but I'd be shocked if he went to Georgia. This one's interesting because he was supposed to come out for Saturday Night Live. That trip didn't end up happening. And usually when that happens this late in a recruitment, that might have been his last visit. It, it usually doesn't spell well for Oregon or whatever school that was that he was going to visit before you know things wrapped up. So now it seems like Ohio State is still in the lead for his services. I think they're the crystal ball leader the last I checked, and you can't really argue with that. I mean, if you want to be developed and go to the NFL, you go to Ohio State if you're playing wide receiver. Or LSU, that's another school that's done really well with wide receivers. And then Mizzou is kind of a wild card in this recruitment because I think they're doing some really interesting things here on the recruiting trail in the 2024 class uh, under um, – under Eliah Drinkwitz. Mizzou right now, they're not doing amazing things. They have 11 commits, number 60 class in the country, but they're not usually a recruiting power. Um, and I think one of their biggest commits is actually a guy I've covered a little bit in this cycle, James Madison II out of St. Thomas Aquinas in Fort Lauderdale. He's a wide receiver who's playing in Florida, but he's originally from Kansas City. So he's coming back to his home state, and I think that they just have some really good momentum in the state of Missouri right now it's not perfect Tioni gray is an oregon defensive line commit that flipped his commitment from missouri earlier this cycle um but i think that mizzou is kind of a sleeper here uh in the jeremiah mcclellan recruitment 
Um, and I'm, I'm trying to get a better read on that one, but I'm just curious to see what Oregon would do in the event that they miss out on Jeremiah McClellan. But I know he's kind of the missing piece, the, the last guy that they want, uh, I think, at wide receiver in this 2024 class. So that's kind of the latest that I have on Jeremiah McClellan. I know it's not a whole lot, but just got to give my uh, two cents a little bit. And then we also have to talk about cornerback. Oregon has two corners in the fold now. Ifeobadegu, Dakota Fields. Do they go for more corners? Do they want more corners? Do they need more corners? I don't think they need more corners. And I'm going to tell you why. It's because they hit the position so hard last cycle. I want to say they signed five corners. You had Solomon Davis, uh, Dalen Austin, Roderick Pleasant, and then you bring in Kyrie Jackson, and you also bring in Nico Reed, uh, two guys from the portal, Colorado, uh, Alabama and Colorado, respectively. So I don't think you need more corners, but I think Oregon's going to continue pursuing some corners. And one name in particular comes to mind, that's Sione Laulea, uh, the third from St. San Mateo, College of San Mateo, the number one JUCO prospect in the country. Um, it sounds like he's going to be making a decision over these next couple of months, but he has not announced a decision date just yet. Uh, he did announce a top five. I think it was Oregon, USC, um, Penn State, Miami, and Utah. Feeling pretty confident about that. I know most of those schools are, are in it. I know Oregon's in it. Um, so it's kind of going to be a numbers game, I think, because I just said they, they signed a lot of guys, but I think they really did a good job of, um, you know, making themselves contenders during that visit to Oregon, um, his last official visit in June. So I'm not predicting Laulea to commit to Oregon, but I think Oregon's definitely worth watching in that recruitment. And then you also have some of the bigger names like Aiden Breland and, and, and Brandon Baker. Um, I'm hopefully going to be getting out to modern day soon so I can talk to those guys and, and get some updates. I think Eddie Pierre-Louis is another example of a guy who Oregon has continued to stay in the mix with. He's a, a really, really talented interior offensive lineman from the Tampa area out in Florida. He's supposed to take an official visit with the Ducks, I believe, this fall. So those are some of the other names that, that we're kind of keeping an eye on. Um, maybe I'll do a separate episode on this, but Nate Frazier, the modern day running back, committed to Georgia over Oregon and Alabama and Texas A&M over the weekend. Now I expect Jason Brown Jr., the Seattle O'Day standout running back, to become the priority guy for Carlos Lachlan and the rest of this running back staff here in 2024. Ducks already have a commitment from Dejon Riggs out of Washington, D.C., a bruising running back in this class. So, those are kind of my latest little tidbits and kind of what I have to offer looking ahead past Dakota Fields now that Dakota Fields is in the fold. Um, but yeah, that's pretty much what I got for you guys. Really important reminders here as we wind down. Make sure you lock in with me on social media. I am at mTaurus Sports on Twitter or X. I still want to call it Twitter. X just sounds weird. I'm at mTaurus Sports on Twitter and on Instagram trying to, to bolster my presence there. Uh, a bit more. And then uh, I am at Oregon football, Max Torres here on YouTube. Please like the video and subscribe if you haven't already. Um, really enjoyed seeing the support from you guys there. And then as always, you can read all my content covering Oregon recruiting and Oregon football over on ducksdigest.com. But until next time, thank you guys for taking some time out of your day, stopping by to talk some ball, talk some recruiting with me. Thank you so much for tuning in and we'll see you in the next episode of the Ducks Dish podcast. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? 
Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.